Hi everyone and welcome to Church Online. Today Travis finishes off our series that's been working through Paul's letter to the Church of Thessalonica. I trust you've been really encouraged uh, by what we've been talking about over these past weeks. Paul has sought to encourage us and instruct us on what it means to walk with Jesus, to actually live out our Christian faith in everyday life. Part of that that he encourages us is to, to live uh, in relationship, good relationships with one another. Now, our faith is personal, but it's not private. We are part of a a broader community of believers. And Paul encourages us to remember that uh, and to live like that. It's been one of the ways in which we've sought to use church online, uh, to have different faces on the screen, uh, just to remind each of us that we are part of a broader family here at Parramatta Baptist Church. Now today I'm joined by Morel Keane. Hi Morel. Hi everyone. And many people would know Morel through her involvement with both children's and family ministries. And I just want to ask, how have you sought to uh, connect with people and remain connected with people during this season? Yeah, it's been so important. Um, I at first called people just to see how they were doing and then that led to visiting people and being invited into their homes Um And it's just been so nice to go in and see how they are and just chat about how we're all dealing with the new normal, Um, seeing the photos on the wall, meeting the dog, um, and just, yeah, travel through life together a bit more. Yeah, that's good. One of the other things that you and Andrew also did was you started to invite people to your house rather than just visiting them. You started to invite them in and to watch church online together. Uh, How's that gone? So lovely. Um, Really missed... PBC as a family, uh, missed worshipping with people, uh, missed all of those interactions that you don't get through um, an online meeting with people. Um, so it's been nice to have them come and share about their week, um, little interactions, big interactions, um, chat over the questions um, and just share about what is really going on for us and how we're trying to live out our faith in our context. Yeah, yeah, and that's certainly been our experience on Sundays here at 8.45 or 5.30, just the opportunity to actually engage with church online and have the discussions uh, around the questions that are part of it, uh, but also, yeah, just to catch up with each other, uh, just in the everyday what's been happening to them. It's been really good. There are a couple of things that are coming up in the life of Parramatta Baptist that I'd love to encourage you with. Uh, the first one is Tea with the Girls. Now, this is for our women in the church. It's a meeting in homes, various homes, uh, to enjoy afternoon tea together. Now, Morel, you were part of the, the last Tea with the Girls that happened. And, uh, yeah, how, how did that go? Um, it was lovely because there were some women there that I haven't had a chance to talk to in the past when we were so busy running mm. church. Um, so it was nice to have a longer interaction with them. It was just a relaxed afternoon, lovely food, lovely um, hostess with the mostest. She did a great job. Um, it's just nice, yeah, to chill out. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So it's Saturday the 24th of October. Uh, we do need to receive your registration by Tuesday the 13th. So that's this coming Tuesday. So please get onto our website or the e-newsletter. Um, and if you could RSVP that you would like to be part of that, that would be brilliant. The other thing that's currently happening in the life of our church is our art installation. There's been many submissions from those in the life of our church around the theme of what matters to God. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to look at it, uh, it really is encouraging to come, uh, spend some time and reflect and read and uh, and just engage uh, with various expressions of uh, of art uh, that answer that question. What is it that matters to God? Uh, 18th of October, that finishes, so please make sure you get there before then. Before we move on to the rest of the service, uh, I'd just love to pray for us. So, yeah, just join with me as I pray. 
Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to engage with your word today, um, but also in some contexts to engage with it uh, with others. Uh, Father, I pray uh, that you would uh, remind us that we are never alone, even in this season. Uh, firstly, you've given us your Holy Spirit. He is always there, always present with us, teaching us, leading us, and guiding us, speaking to us. Uh, but Father, you've also placed us within a family of believers as well. Um, both those within Parramatta Baptist Church, but in a sense a broader community of faith. Uh, and so, Lord, may we understand the connection that is there. May we um, yeah, just sense uh, people's prayers for us, their encouragement for us, and may we reach out and take the initiative in connecting with others as well. Father, may all that we do today bring glory to your name and the way in which we engage with your word, the way in which we engage with others. Uh, Lord, the way in which we just allow your spirit to speak to us. And we want to be those kind of people uh, who seek to live life in a way that does bring glory to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey church, welcome. If it's your first time connecting with us on Church Online or whether you've been tracking with us for the whole six months, welcome to Church Online. One of my favorite things is that even though we're not all together face to face, we can come together and worship our good God as a community all throughout Sydney, but as a community all throughout the whole world. We can join together and worship because we all have this same message of hope. Before we start singing songs, I want to read something from the Bible. It's in Isaiah chapter 12. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. As we sing these songs, we're not just singing songs to an empty room or um, sitting in an empty room, not singing if you're um, connecting with us at church. We're, we're recognizing this gospel message that ties us all together, the fact that we once were lost, but now we are found. We were broken, but now we're being healed by the blood of Jesus. We were living in darkness, but now we've been shown a new light. Jesus has given us this hope. took these breaths. 
you are in the business of transforming and changing and giving new life and bringing light and healing and whenever we come to you we know that you are there to give us a big hug to love on us and to help us to become more like you Jesus Lord help us to live in light of the fact of what you've done for us and help us every day to live more like you Hi Church, today's Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 12 to 28 and it's my privilege to read it to you today. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other and we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, 
the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is God's word. Uh, Thanks, Lisa, and thanks, Ben, and uh, welcome to you from wherever it is that you're watching. Um, I hope you're well. Uh, Myself and Kay and Emily and Josiah, we send our love and our greetings uh, to you. And just like Paul said in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, we long to see you again uh, in person uh, one day soon. Uh, But today we're going to finish out the letter of 1 Thessalonians with this great collection of really short, practical, kind of straightforward instructions that are right at the end. Uh, And what Paul is doing is he's addressing their communal life. You kind of can't miss it, can you? I don't know if you picked it up in that Bible reading, but brothers and sisters, five times um, he writes this in these few verses. And so now the idea is that as they do and be church in light of Jesus' return, that they would do and they would be these things with each other. And he starts with what has to be surely one of the most important instructions in the whole letter, the whole New Testament, maybe even the whole Bible, which is, of course, to highly regard and respect your church leaders. Kind of hard to say that one um, with a straight face. Um, look, I want to lead into these verses by just saying, Parramatta Baptist Church, you knock these verses and these instructions out of the park. Uh, as one of the pastors here, I'm very qualified to say that It is such a joy and a delight to lead and to serve uh, in this church community because you are so encouraging, so affirming, so supportive uh, and prayerful. And man, we just love being pastors here at this church. It's such a healthy culture. That's enough of the warm fuzzies. Let's actually get to the text. Now, when we approach a text like this, you always have to ask yourself, why this instruction? I mean, out of all the practical things that Paul could write and include at the end of this letter, why this one, Paul? Well, we know, don't we, from chapter 1, that news had reached Paul of the faith and the witness of the Thessalonian believers. Um, He opens his letter with that and he's celebrating much of the good stuff uh, that he sees or that he's heard reported back about their community. But it's fair to assume that he's also heard some other reports as well. And while on the whole, this is an incredibly healthy and vibrant faith community, it would seem like there are some things that, you know, Paul can continue to encourage them into. And so reading between the lines, you just get a sense that that maybe things weren't as harmonious and as peaceful as they could have been between the leadership and uh, kind of those not in leadership uh, in the church. And so I see these verses as a double-edged instruction. This is verses 12 and verse 13 directed at both those who are in positions of leadership in the church uh, and those who receive or or sit under that leadership. Uh, Now, here at PBC, we also have a multitude of people who would fall under the category of those exercising spiritual leadership. Uh, So as we step through these verses, I encourage you to listen and not to tune out thinking this is just for those in vocational ministry. 
But in verse 12 and 13, what we see is that according to Paul, anyway, and this is not a comprehensive list, he's just picking out three things. A leader in God's church is one, someone who works hard. It's not someone who is half-hearted or apathetic, slack, lazy, or who just adopts the good enough is good enough approach to ministry. Uh, It's someone who is all in, someone whose heart is there, who's passionate about it, who is faithfully stewarding the responsibility and the opportunity that they have to exercise spiritual leadership. Uh, As Paul would write to the church in Colossae, working with all your heart as if working for the Lord is what he has in mind for those who are in positions or who exercise leadership in the life of the church. Uh, Second, uh, a leader in God's church is someone who cares for people in the Lord. It's not someone who is ministering because they care about their image or their reputation or being impressive and having ministry success no matter the cost. Not about those who are just trying to build their personal brand and, you know, take care of their platform, whatever that means. Now, a true Christian leader is someone who cares for people. And you'll notice specifically cares for people in the Lord. Uh, So Paul doesn't have in mind either someone who just is just a kind of a people person who, like a mother hen, is just really wanting to make sure that everybody is under their wing or or a big brother, you know, someone who just likes to be liked by everyone and, and in with everyone. No, a true Christian leader, according to Paul, is someone who is profoundly committed and cares deeply about the way that Jesus is being formed in their life, in your life. Cares deeply about the way uh, that a person is embracing the fullness of the gospel message about Jesus and cares deeply about making sure that they continue to live that out and, and walk that out until he returns. And so it means that part of being a true Christian leader is admonishing. Now, we don't use that word too much these days, uh, but it means someone who corrects, who warns, who guides, even confronts where appropriate. It's someone who is loving enough, discerning enough, courageous enough to steer you towards the center of God's will and towards the fullness of living a life in Christ. So that's kind of Paul's, he's painted a little bit of a picture of what true Christian leadership is and looks like. Now, for those who receive and who sit under this godly leadership, their response is to be twofold. The first is to acknowledge, to acknowledge them as a person, as a fellow believer, to acknowledge their hard work, to acknowledge their heart in serving, acknowledge their gifts and their their role in the body, maybe even their role in their life. Now, I've already shared what a game changer that is to receive as a leader. And as far as I'm concerned, this is ministry. When you acknowledge your leaders in this way, you are ministering to them in a way that really does build them up and enable them to continue ministering um, with a full heart, I guess, and, and a full bag full of encouragement, which is the best way to minister, I assure you. So that's the first thing. The first response is to acknowledge them, but the second is to regard them highly in love because of their work. So this is not to regard them highly because of their position or title or the letters that come after their name. This is not a respect the position, not the person's sort of instruction. Nor is it about highly regarding someone in love because they're super likable and charismatic either. You know, I think 
um, all of us experience leaders differently. And over the course of our life, of course, there's going to be some leaders that we we have a a natural affinity with. Um, And so we find it a little bit more natural maybe to have affection for. Yet Paul is saying here, we regard those in leadership in love because of their work because they are committed to and they're investing in the spiritual health and growth and maturity of the body of believers. You know, when leaders are leading like this and people are responding like this, they live at peace. There is harmony. Churches don't get unnecessarily distracted by silly infighting, church politics, power struggles and the like. It actually means that the church is free to get on with the much more important business of loving God, loving each other, and reaching the world for Christ. Do and be church in light of Jesus' return. And so do and be these things, be this way with each other. Now, this is very practical instructions, uh, as I said. So there isn't too much I think we need to contemplate or even discuss around these verses as it really is about action. So I'm going to give you a moment and you can hit pause if you want longer just to consider these two things. And I acknowledge that most of us both uh, kind of exercise leadership and also sit under leadership. So we need to be considering both of the double-edged instructions here in verse 12 and 13. But what is God saying to you about this? And what are you going to do about it? All right, so from verse 14, Paul directs his attention then to the broader interpersonal interactions and relationships that happen within the church. And you'll note that his instruction here is much more strong and directive, isn't it? In verse 12, he simply says, we ask you. Now, if you've read a lot of Paul's letters in the New Testament, you'll know that he's pretty blunt at times and pretty straightforward. So that is a pretty soft ask from the Apostle Paul in verse 12. But in verse 14, it's much more strong. You know, we urge you, brothers and sisters. And again, we can ask ourselves, why this particular instruction, Paul? And there are clues already in the letter. Paul has already warned those who are idle and disruptive. This is chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, that they should mind their own business and work with their hands. Paul has already encouraged those who might be disheartened. Again, this is chapter 4, but towards the end. You know, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, therefore encourage one another with these words. And Paul has already expressed a bit of concern for the faith of some of those who are in the church in Thessalonica. And this is 3 verse 10. You know, that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So I think for us today, as we start to think through these verses... Um, I don't want us to jump to thinking about, okay, well, who's idle and disruptive in our church that we can warn or who's disheartened that we can encourage? I actually think there's a much bigger takeaway and a more important uh, blanket principle that we take from this. And that is in verse 14, that we always strive to do what is good for each other. Uh, now, you and I, we know what it is to strive for something we value, don't we? Whether that's going after a particular achievement or trying to master a skill or even being committed to building a healthy relationship, we strive towards and for those things that we value. 
Maybe it's a little bit embarrassing, but um, um, this year one of the things I've been striving for is just to do our YouTube channel really well. Like I, I know that for many people, you're thinking that's not part of your job description, and you'd be just as happily happy if we uploaded these services and it just said October 11, enjoy.、Um, but I've been reading up about it, and I think if you're going to do something, do it well. So learning all about YouTube as a platform. You know, it's the second largest search engine after Google. That there's two billion logged in users. Every month,、uh, and just the power and the reach of that. So, being you know in my own time, you know, attending sort of online conferences and training courses around things like thumbnails and tags and SEO and, and all this stuff, I never thought I'd learn、uh, in January, February, or March, and yet here we are. And the point is this: that that when we strive for something. We are disciplined, aren't we? And we're intentional in going the extra mile for it. You know, we give it our mental energy, we give it our emotional energy, and we give it the most precious commodity of all—our time. And so Paul urges the Thessalonians, and by extension you and I, to strive for the good of each other. To be disciplined and intentional in going the extra mile for the good of each other, to spend our emotional energy and our mental energy and that most precious commodity, our time, for the good of each other. Now, again, there's probably a bunch of other stuff I could say about these verses,、uh, particularly the other part of verse 15, but I feel that's counterproductive because this is supposed to be short, simple, practical collection of instructions at the end of the letter. So instead, what I want you to do is, is I want us all to think about how we can immediately put this into practice in, in one specific way this week. How can we go that extra mile above and beyond to do something for the good of somebody else within our faith community this week? Maybe you want to take the time to actually write an encouragement, email, text, snail mail. However you do that, that could be a really good thing to do. Maybe you want to block out 15 minutes every day this week to intentionally pray for and intercede over someone you know who's just doing it tough in their walk with God at the moment. Maybe you want to reach out and meet up with someone to read the Word together. Maybe you want to bless someone that you know that's really under the pump, that's super busy, and you just go, you know what, I'm going to come over and I'm going to mow your lawn. Like you know, that's always welcome in people's lives. <laughs> Maybe someone's super busy, and you just want to bless them as、uh, a couple. And so you might say, "Hey, this Saturday morning, why don't we look after your kids, and you two go on a brunch date together?" All those sort of ideas. But the great thing about striving to do good for each other is that there's almost no limit around that. There's no you can just let your imagination run wild. And so that's my challenge right now, as part of the message, is to pause this video. And not to brainstorm all the ways that you could express verse fifteen, but to identify who you're going to put that into action for this week, how you're going to do that, and when you are going to do that as well. All right. So the passage continues in verse sixteen with rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I mean, what a power-packed three verses! You could quite happily do a whole sermon on each of those verses. I like to think of these three things as the trifecta for perspective-shifting, attitude-altering 
activity that we can partake in as a Christian disciple. Uh, it changes stuff when we rejoice and pray and give thanks, doesn't it? And you know that Paul doesn't write to the church in Thessalonica saying, hey, this might be a good idea to do every now and again. Or these are really good things to do when the mood is right, when you feel like doing them. You know, the instruction is always, continually, in all circumstances, rejoice, pray and give thanks. Now, hands up if you have experienced the power of these three things in your own life. I'm going to trust that your hand is up wherever you're watching from. Uh, Hands up if you know that you are often far too slow to turn to these things in your life. Uh, That would certainly be me, guilty as charged. You know, if, if I'm honest, there are times in my life where I find myself just having a pity party. Have you been there? Where life is frustrating and you're carrying anger around some things and you just want to grumble. (laughs) There's something weirdly cathartic and empowering about just grumbling about stuff as well. And there are times where, um, because I married such an awesome woman, uh, she'd encourage me, Kay encouraged me, hey, why don't you pray about this? I'm too too busy grumbling, right? Um, Because I know that the moment I pray, the grumbling stops. It's not the circumstances shift, but something in me shifts. And I love it and I've experienced it time after time again. There is a power that when we come to God in prayer, some of our temporary frustrations and our worries just melt away in his presence. The things that we are holding so tight to, we just release over to him and we surrender to him afresh. Instead of being like a petulant child that is complaining about one or two things, It's far more natural and you almost can't be anything other than a humble, grateful servant, giving thanks to God for for the many blessings that each of us carry in our lives and to recognize actually that all of those are a gift from him, a gift of grace, undeserved, unmerited. And we sit in his presence and we allow his love to wash over us afresh and we receive his peace. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. There is a potency to incorporating these into our personal lives. And I'll be one of the first people to line up and give testimony to how good it is to do these things, particularly when life is tough. And that potency and that power only gets magnified when we do that also in community with others. You know, John Stott in particular, uh, he's at pains to remind us that this is still in a passage that's talking about church life, our communal life, that these are corporate uh, language here in verse 16, 17, 18. In fact, he even goes so far to, to, to think of them as directives for church gatherings. That Paul is writing to the Thessalonian believers saying that these things should characterize your services, for lack of a better word, your, your gatherings whenever you get together both individually and corporately, these are perspective-shifting, attitude-altering activities. And importantly, they're part of God's will for each of us. And so Paul knows, he's heard that the Thessalonian believers are experiencing an increase in persecution. It's not that life is really simple and really easy and really cruisy for them. And in that context, he gives this instruction. So let's do this now. Whether you're alone or with others, 
when you pause this video to rejoice, rejoice in who God is and the love that he lavishes on us as his children. Pause and just pray, just actually acknowledge his presence right there with you. And give thanks in all the circumstances, no matter what is going on in your life at the moment, rejoice, pray and give thanks and experience the blessing of doing so. So to close out the letter, Paul reiterates and he comes back to stressing the importance of holy living. And he talks in both ways, in terms of the active work of God in us to sanctify us or to make us holy, but also our active work in walking in step with the Spirit, to partnering in joining in that work that God is doing in us. Now, Steve Frost talked about this quite a bit in chapter 4, so if you haven't yet watched uh, that Church Online, I encourage you to go and do that because I'm not going to add too much more than that other than to stress the importance of listening and obeying. Listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit both directly for ourselves and through others is part of what it means to join with what God is at work doing in us. And we want to be discerning about that. We want to test what we hear, what we sense against the scriptures. And then... As it is confirmed, we want to actually respond to it in faith, in obedience, by saying yes. Listening and then not responding is a bit like throwing a bucket of water on a fire, quenching the spirit. So that's it from me today and our series in 1 Thessalonians. There is simply so much in this passage, these short, punchy, practical instructions, uh, each of which can actually take us to a really deep place with God as we listen for what his Holy Spirit is speaking to us and speaking over us through those verses. So I'm going to pray for us in just a second to end our time together. But then my encouragement is to pause this video once more and to actually just read through the passage for yourself. And as you do, I want you to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. What is he speaking, prompting, saying to you through this passage? And then my encouragement, as always, is to say yes to what the Spirit prompts and leads. So allow me to pray. Wherever you are today, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify, that is, make you holy through and through. May your whole spirit body and soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, may you know the encouragement and the certainty that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen. Every breath we could ever
the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
stand beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Thank you everybody for joining us today. And thank you, Travis, uh, for bringing in just such an encouraging word as we finish up this series in Thessalonians. Next week, we move into a new series on the big prayers in the Bible, uh, the the life-changing prayers, in fact, even the nation-changing prayers uh, that are prayed. Kathy will bring to us the prayer that Daniel prays that really does change a nation. And remember, if you want to join with others in engaging with Church Online, uh, we are meeting at Klein's Road at 8.45 and 5.30, and we are meeting in various homes as well, and you'd be more than welcome to join us. And the best way to stay connected with what is happening at PBC is through the newsletter. So if you're not receiving this, then give us an email and we'll get that to you. God bless. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I supposed to put that in? That either on the website or as part of the newsletter. And bring a friend. And bring a friend. And we've got to find ringing. We do. Is that going to come through? Where then? is that coming from? That was such a good take going to it. That's my phone on silent.